Hello and welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Project 119 Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Mary and it's my pleasure to join you in reading God's Word. Today is Monday, November 13th. Happy Missions Monday. In this season, we're not really talking about our mission partners so much, but about the mission of Mountain Brook Baptist. And so I just encourage you to think about your personal spiritual renewal the renewal of our church, and also our renewal to the commitment that we have to God's work around the world. I'm reading from the New International Version, and we are making our way through Mark in Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21 today. And then we're in Psalm 77. Remember in the book of Mark, we have been progressing through different stories about Jesus's ministry. Yesterday, we talked about the Syrophoenician woman and the deaf and mute man that Jesus healed. We've also been talking about the Pharisees and the traditions of men rather than the commands of God. We talked also about Herod and how he beheaded John the Baptist in an attempt to please men. Um, That's all going to come into play again today as we learn about the feeding of the 4,000 and then Jesus warning his disciples against the yeast of Herod and the Pharisees. Starting in Mark chapter 8 and verse 1. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? 
When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? I think we read a passage like this and we just turn it into a prayer. Lord, help me to understand. Help me to be a person who sees you at work around me and has faith to believe that you are about your glory and our good. And help us as a congregation to avoid uh, fixating on the traditions of men like the Pharisees did or like Herod worried too much about what people think of us. Rather, help us to be focused pure and passionately on serving our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's move over to the Psalms. We're in Psalm 77 today. Let me see what the title says here. For the director of music, for Jeduthun of Asaph, a psalm. I've noticed that this whole section of the Psalms is by Asaph. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will He never show His favor again? Has His unfailing love vanished forever? Has His promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Lord Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Thank you for listening along as we read God's Word together. I am enjoying the Psalms commentaries by Douglas Webster, who is a professor at Beeson Divinity School. And this is what he says about this psalm. 
Psalm 77 is in the Asaph tradition, and not surprisingly, the poet expresses raw emotion and deep anguish over intense suffering. The psalmist feels this suffering is unjust and out of character with God's promises. He feels utterly rejected and abandoned by God. It is as if everything he ever believed about God and his promises and his unfailing love and his compassion has vanished into thin air forever. But then the poet makes a sudden transition that raises in sharp relief the miraculous history of God's redemptive intervention and salvation. Did you hear it in verse 10? Then I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. These quick transitions are part of Asaph's style. The psalmist remembers that Exodus miracle and the power of God over the forces of nature. Great grief is transformed into genuine hope of salvation history. So as I read that, I thought about how in our grief, we have the awesome privilege of remembering the many ways that God has miraculously worked in salvation history and in our own lives. I turned over to the second part of his commentary, and I thought this was helpful as well. The redemptive power of God is expressed in images of thunder, lightning, whirlwind, and earthquake. By noting the absence of God's footprints, the psalmist, without meaning to, causes Christians to think of the incarnate one. That's in verse 19. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. Jesus literally walked on earth. He actually left footprints, and John the Baptist claimed he wasn't even worthy to untie his sandals. That's in John 1, 27. Ross concludes, that's another one of my professors, Alan Ross, I'm sure. Whereas the psalmist recalled the greatest act of salvation in Israel's history, the Exodus, Christians recall a greater salvation provided for them in the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Deliverance from all suffering and death is thereby assured. But until that happens, we are to follow Jesus' example and seek to use our suffering to help others. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We're reminded in it that Jesus speaks from every page of Scripture. And though in the Exodus event you were clearly there, we could not see your footprints. You came as a man incarnate. You walked upon the earth. You died a death that we could not die for ourselves, a pure death, a sacrificial death, one where you imputed righteousness to us. And in the act of dying and rising again, you have defeated death forever. And while we wait for you to come again, we can claim the hope of resurrection. And we can know that whatever we suffer in this life, we do not suffer alone. Because you suffered on our behalf, not just in death, but even in life. You experienced what it means to be human. God, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving of yourself. 
help us, Lord, to fall deeper in love with you because of what you have done for us. And for my brothers and sisters who are in deep suffering in these moments, Lord, I pray your covering over them. I pray that you would give them visions of life with you in a land where all things that are wrong are made right and death is no more. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.